0: Welcome, welcome, travelers. travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions, questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Modern. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Masters of Modern.
0: You see how good I did there? Yeah. You are going to try stealing that from me. Ben wanted the intro of the show.
1: No. Yeah. No. Yes, I did. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is the Masters of Modern Podcast. We talk about the modern format on this show. Alex and Kessler, Alex and Kessler and myself. (laughs) Ben and Bateman. Have been doing this show for what, 130 episodes or something like that? This is 126. 126. And uh, we love it. And you guys, probably some of you know this, but not all of you know this. Alex is a toy and game designer. Um, he actually runs what? a company. See? He runs a company that right. is launching as we speak, really. It's like going, like getting its products out we, there. We
0: literally we shipped our first product uh, last week. It was a fan that will be at Toys R Us, a toy fan that lights up. And then we shipped our second two products this week, which are two... Inflatable toys, one's called a Slam Rocket. You can bounce it around and throw it at your friends. And the other one is like a big blimp thing that you throw at your friends So play play
1: catch with. They're colorful and fun. But more relevant than that to our show is Alex has designed several games in the last couple years. We'll be launching this fall. Yes, a whole game line. And as you know, Alex knows a thing or two about magic. So I thought it would be interesting today... We're going to talk a little bit about game design um, and a little bit about Magic's influence on Alex as a game designer when he started from scratch, coming up with games that he was going to try to put on shelves and get players interested in, kind of what the thought process was like. Because I'm sure we've all played Magic and had that thought once or twice of, wow, there's a lot of moving parts here. They had to come up with something to answer this question, and and what if it was like this? And people complain about you know mana screw and mana flood, and like how do you balance those variables when you're designing something new as a magic player, as somebody who's played at a high level? Um, I thought it would be interesting to ask Alex some questions. So we're gonna do kind of a little bit of like a mixed bag episode. We're gonna do that. We have a sweet game of mental magic we're playing at the end of the episode, and
0: we're gonna announce your teammates for the upcoming GP.
1: Yes, yes, we are um we already we won't announced announce
0: the decks though that won't happen until
1: no we are well we did announce one yeah we have um... the second one though and the second one because unfortunately the person who wrote the itunes review that didn't we announced get back to us in time didn't for us to get be back able to, to get us, us in there, time so we had to replace that person and uh we now have our team and we're excited it's next weekend it's going to be freaking awesome so if you want to follow along with the shenanigans there you can find us on twitter uh i am at Kess wiley you had to think for a second. I almost said I am at the MM Cast. Yeah. We are at the MM Cast. Yes, and I'm at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're on Patreon. Um, we're we also people.
0: yeah. We're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Patreon is is how we're funding. You know, taking these guys and you to the GP. It's how we upgraded our mics. It's how, um, kind of do anything that we are able to do beyond sit in these chairs and talk at these microphones. And even that, like, it helps make that a priority and make sure that we're here every week. So, um. It's definitely really helpful. Please guys, please go there. We you know, we're not getting paid for this. This is this is yeah we 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 and we love the guys who we love you guys who listen and we love the guys who donate and it's really just a great community
1: yeah absolutely and i mean it, it, seriously if you donate a dollar a month two dollars five dollars whatever you donate does really actually help us keep doing the show um we have to find the time to be in the same room at the same time for this or at least in the same headspace to do it and you know it gets difficult with our schedules alex is traveling all the time i'm launching a digital network pretty soon um it's there's just there's just a lot going on so um we are very thankful to every dollar we've ever gotten on Patreon and we encourage you to keep helping because it yep. keeps us in business of making no money but uh, in business of talking about magic so yeah and uh, go to collected.company that's where you find this you can find Jimmy and Josh's show The Command Zone it's an awesome show about commander content
0: yeah but they do video content so the, the, I would say the best place to kind of follow them is on their YouTube channel as well because they do all of their auxiliary content there beyond just uh, the podcast so definitely check them on YouTube and at collected.company which is where you can find both of us um, yeah
1: And the last thing is that this episode is sponsored by a brand new app called Anchor. It's awesome. It's like Twitter meets podcasting. It's short-form audio blurbs. I do a show called 10 Minutes of Magic every single day. You can go and download the app. It's like you can listen to what I talk about. I just – all kinds of thought bubbles with magic. I just introduced a mental magic over Anchor thing.
0: When you say sponsored – Ben means that he has a show on there and he's also on this show and wants you to go check that out. It is really cool. I've been on it a couple of times.
1: Kind of sponsoring. I mean, they're not directly sponsoring. Like we are not as a podcast being paid money to talk about anchor, Correct. but like they've invested in me as a content creator to share the gospel of anchor on a magic gospel. And this is where I share my magic gospel. So go follow me on that show. And listen, it's really fun. I, you can call in and share your thoughts. I can play your thoughts back. Alex has guested. Um, it's, it's really fun. Amen. Yeah. So you. You said that was good. Yeah yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I was going to say it earlier, but then you just kept going.
1: Yeah. So, let's get into the episode, guys. Um, Alex, first question I have for you is you have played a ton of Magic. Is there a Magic card or Magic cards you can think of that when you pick them up and when you think about those cards, they feel like sort of the most perfectly or elegantly designed cards in the sense that you're like, "Yes, this is what they did right. This is what makes this game what it is." Um, I would say,
0: other than maybe the blue and white one, the original kind of one-drop 3X cards. Yeah. So like, Lightning Bolt. Uh, I mean, they're all, like, arguably too powerful in many ways. Giant Growth. Yeah. Um, healing Solve. ancestral Visions. Or dark, Recall. Dark. Inceptual Recall. Inceptual Recall. And, Recall and dark, dark Ritual. ritual. Um, it's such a clean little, like, cycle. And, and that's yeah. kind of one of my favorite things about Magic is the cycle stuff. Where, it, where it's like, yeah. here's how this effect is done by each color differently.
1: Do you think that the... So I agree with you totally. That cycle of five... I mean, it's not the most perfect cycle. Everybody knows Healing Salve is terrible and Ancestral Recall is way too good. Um, Well, arguably all of them are... Well, I think you can can say...
0: Giant Growth, I think, as you've said on the podcast before, is like the perfect card.
1: I think Giant Growth is like the most perfectly designed card. I talked about that actually on St. Patrick's Day as my green card. I was like, that's the most elegantly designed green card ever. I think Lightning Bolt's a really close second. It's a little overpowered at its cost, but not so much that I would say it's like... Like, I think it's correct.
0: Yeah, and I think I think with Lightning Bolt, because it's all a numbers game with Lightning Bolt, yeah. like, drawing through cards, no matter how the game is, what creatures are out in the game is going to be better than anything else that you could be doing.
1: Well, what they did with those cards so well, and this is what I think, and this is the reason I started with that question, is that they really identified quickly that, okay, you want these to be simple, understandable, singular effects that do involve a very basic math principle, which is... They're interactive. It's one for three. It's like right. you totally get that. It's you don't Whatever. have. To and it
0: really it, it sets a lot of kind of the baseline of magic, like one mana for three damage. There's that's that's the cap. You know, creatures are generally not going to be bigger than that as well. In fact, the biggest creatures at one mana, the biggest ones are three, uh, do attack for three or block for three. So right. when it comes down to it, that's kind of where they started, and that's kind of been a kind of a, a through line throughout Magic. It's never really been grown past that
1: so when you think about that and you think about the elegance of those cards there's a balance involved you've paid attention to that obviously the mm-hmm. fact that we talked about in that one cycle you have extreme examples of power extreme examples of weakness and then extreme examples of balance all within the one for three to domination so are you are you able to talk about the names of your games on here yeah definitely yeah? so explain to me the games that you have and just give me the quick elevator pitch of each one so people kind of know what you're working on
0: okay so first uh is um a game called Super Party Battle. Uh, this is, if anyone was a watcher of topdecking uh, and remembered the through line of Davros the Drunkening, this is kind of the child of that. And it is a college campus themed uh, party game where you are basically playing a very reduced version of magic, uh, something like, called, like similar to Type 4. Uh, where every turn you get to play a card, and you're either going to play characters or classes or or buildings, and those characters can either party to get you points or attack other characters to kick them out of your friends' parties. And each card kind of comes with its own little mini-game, and the point is to get combos. So you want to make your friend talk in a Russian accent while your other friend makes them pretend to be a Velociraptor. It's so kind of like, like
1: Unglued meets like College Game or something. Yes. Yes. So it's a little more... It, it actually... It isn't, but it can be a little more adult. Because you don't have to drink. It's not no, no, necessarily it's not a, it a, drinking not a drinking game. It's not it, a drinking game. There is... Yeah, it's... Exactly. If you were over 21 years old and would like to drink while you play it, you can. If you're not, you don't need to. Right.
0: It's being marketed to 12+. plus. Yeah. Basically the same number... You probably have to be able to play Magic to be able to play this game. You need to read and do math.
1: But. So there's a direct relationship to Magic with that game. It's, a, it's a pretty, that's, that's the closest comp, would you say?
0: Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's Magic. It's more like Hearthstone, I would say, okay. if I were to pick between the two, just because you're at, you can attack individual characters. But, sure. Um, otherwise, yeah.
1: Cool. So then, moving from that one, what is the second game you got?
0: Uh, the second one is Housewives vs. Zombies, and it's a drafting uh, tower defense game. Okay. So you are playing as a housewife in the 1960s and 50s and you have every turn more zombies are being attacked to your house and you have to, you know, become a badass and start fighting them off and you use like cool appliances from that era. So you have like uh
1: rolling pins, rolling
0: pins yeah. and a lawn flamingos and you know, a cutting board with like nails in it that you have to bash things in. And so every turn you get the pick items, that are like one-time effects like kill three zombies for, for one card, or you can pick cards that are kind of renovations that make your house better, like a, a gazebo.
1: Yes, the art on both those games is pretty cool, too. Yeah. I like uh,
0: that. The art on Housewives for Zombies was done by Iron Stylus, who did, if you play League of Legends, Leona. He's the character okay. designer for Leona. Cool. Yeah. Um, what is your third game? Uh, the third game is uh, Emergent Genesis, which we've actually talked about on the podcast, because uh, it was technically created by Brian David Marshall. Yes, magic uh, historian. Magic Pro and, uh, Tour historian. Uh, he... Uh, Launched it on Kickstarter uh, back when he was on the I think the last time he was on the episode they were launching it and they had some decent success uh, at in the specialty market and we're helping him bring it to mass Uh, and so it'll be you know trying to build up and bring it out to more places Um, and those are the three games
1: and that's kind of a and that's kind of a uh, like like superhero building. It's like Harry
0: Potter superhero. So, you know, there are a lot of games out there where you're deck building to like build a superhero team where this one's much more about building your own superhero. So it's kind of like a create your own adventure where you're going to be, oh, I want laser breath and I want ice vision. I know those are backwards and I want flying and I want to run super fast. And you can kind of be specific or broad and kind of develop your superpower superhero.
1: So, yes, those are the three games that are being promoted. Other stuff in the can, but nothing's out there yet. Um, So... Each of those games definitely has a component, though, that is clearly inspired by Magic. Obviously, in BDM's case, I mean, he is a guy that comes from Magic and so on and so forth. So when you are thinking about, like, if you were going to, because the question I asked you on the Anchor Show last week about what are Magic's three greatest strengths? And what you had to say, if I remember correctly, was that you told me the customization was a high one for you.
0: Yes, that's my number one favorite thing about Magic.
1: The color pie and the balance, which kind of references what we talked about that first cycle. Number two favorite thing about Magic. (laughs) And I believe the collectible. I think the collectability, it was the third one you said. Yes. Yes. The fact that it is a collectible card game. It has this beautiful secondary market. And there is this really wonderful sense of like, I want the special foil version of that card. I want to have that card in perfect condition. Right. I want to trick it all out. I want to feel personality based on what I'm playing with in my deck. So if those are the best things about magic, the more annoying question to answer is what the worst parts are. And I'm sure when you're designing a game, that's what you're going to focus on as much as the best parts because you don't want to make the same mistakes. You don't want to come across things that have annoyed you for years and years and years. So I'm wondering, unless I'm just speaking for you here...
0: I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily... I will talk about what the worst things in magic are. I don't know if I agree with that's where I would start with a game. Generally, I look at... So with the games, especially that are influenced by magic, I looked at, okay, what are things that I like about this? Yes. And... You know, with with Super Party Battle, it was like, oh, I like the creature battle social aspect of Commander, for instance. And then with um, Housewives for Zombies, it's much more. Oh, I love drafting. I love the drafting mechanic, and I like tower defense games. And how can I kind of combine those two activities together? Um, if you want to talk about my least favorite things in Magic, um, I think that this is a harder one. I don't I know. know, I don't know well, necessarily it's, not, it's not
1: an easy question to answer. Eric wydets who's also in Toys and Games, yeah. is somebody who I asked a similar question to for the same reasons, he had a really hard time answering that one. I,
0: I think, I think the, the way standard is kind of formatted and presented as, I mean, we're a modern podcast, so but the fact that it's harder to keep up with it and the way that it rotates as quickly, even now that it's a little slower rotation, kind of the status of what that's going on there is a little bit problematic to me. Um, I think that this is more of a recent, complaint uh that magic drafting environments have become a little bit more samey i think they got really really good at it and they've started using a lot of really good and important math in developing the games but because of that each draft format doesn't feel that different from the last one right um and i would like to maybe see a little bit more variety in in kind of the speed and the way you play every game um i don't know this is a really hard question
1: it is a hard one i honestly if you were to ask me the same question i'm not sure i would have a great answer. I think one of the easy answers that a lot of players come across is mana screw. Um,
0: yeah, here's the problem with mana screw cuz I, I I agree that man the mana system has its flaws. Yeah, But the fact that it's gives a, a way for players that are brand new to win and feel good about playing the game and beat someone that's better than them is a such a valuable resource. Yeah. Otherwise we'd play chess. Like right, there needs to, and there are other RNGs and mana screw is kind of a flawed one and and, and I agree that that is probably one of the easiest to point at weaknesses of magic sure but i think the mana system and the color pie which is created by that system is magic's greatest strength so if you look at Hearthstone, it doesn't have that it has like the hero classes and you have hero specific cards but you don't get the mixed heroes i can't play a hunter or paladin deck i have to play a hunter deck or a paladin deck where magic i get red cards and i get to see how they work with black cards i get to see how they right. work with green cards and
1: now, if I buy one of your games, I get all the pieces, all the cards. I get everything I need to play the game in the box. Correct. It's all there. I can't buy an expansion yet. There's no randomized packs. None of that there, stuff.
0: There will be expansions, uh, but yes, correct.
1: Yes. So, obviously, everybody knows this, but Magic's really the only one. Na- I mean, it's not the only one. I should I should take that. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! There's a few others. Pokemon, but-
0: Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic are the three successful and long-term successful paper trading yes. card games.
1: So, but at this point, all of those have been around quite a long time now. None cool. of those are new. None of those have been created since, like, apps have been the thing and digital media. Yeah, and like,
0: since, since they came out, digital has added probably Hex and Hearthstone are yes. the only two I would really say would maybe qualify.
1: But the difference is that Hearthstone, while you can have all the cards, you can get them all through adventures, and you can collect your... You, there's no tangible, physical thing. And it's not like Magic where the... It's, it's the same thing as your paper cards, but you're just playing online out of convenience. It's the only way you can play it. So my, I guess my question is, did you ever consider for a second when you were designing a game, I kind of want to make a paper collectible game randomized in packs that people are going to chase after cards? Like, was that ever an idea that crossed your mind or were you pretty set on like, I'm not going to do that undertaking. It's too much.
0: Um, to start out, I didn't want to do it. And, and there's a few reasons why. One is because it's a very competitive place to kind of go out. And getting established with that kind of game is very hard, Um, especially non-licensed at this point. The reason that Magic worked is because it was the first, and then Yu-Gi-Oh! had its TV show launch with it, and Pokemon was literally a licensed product. So, of the three games that existed, they all had very unique reasons for why it worked. Um, Star Wars is coming out with a new one that includes dice that looks amazing, and I got to play it at Toy Fair this last year. Um, That one is probably the one that I would keep my eyes on. Um, I would... I was going to play it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like Star Wars, <laughs> and it's a magic-y game. Yeah. And um, that's kind of like Commander meets Magic. Sure. Um, but for the most part, launching a full-on collectible card game is something I'd be wary of. I w- you would need some unique factor other than the fact that, oh, these cards battle each other slightly differently than these games. Um For future years, we are looking at a few different ways of kind of accomplishing that. Sure. I do love that collectability aspect. Um, And we have maybe two different ideas that would do it two different ways. Um, And if we do do those, that would be a place we'd consider going after. But year one, establishing games, it's a lot easier to be like, here's a full game. Please buy it.
1: So moving on from just the idea of the inspiration that comes from magic, what games, games like tabletop games that come in boxes, just like the ones you're designing, have you played that you feel like have inspired you the most, the best games out there in recent years? Settlers is the first one I was going to say. It comes to mind.
0: Settlers is an easy one. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I was an avid Monopoly player. My, yeah. well, my family yeah. is, an avid, and is an avid Monopoly family. Um, Your dad doesn't and surprise now, me at And all. now <laughs> they all hate me because I think Monopoly is a terrible game and I'm... I tell them that? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, how dare you? Uh, but it is. It's bad. Who's
1: the negotiator in your family when it comes to trade?
0: Have you met my family? I'm a look. negotiator, and I'm the most passive of my family. <laughs> the idea of your dad playing Monopoly just kills me. It's super cutthroat. Actually, my favorite memory of Monopoly is it was yeah. me, him, and my cousin, who's like 10 years... He's like exactly in between me and my dad. Yeah. Um, played Monopoly together, and I was like seven. And they made a deal with each other that they weren't allowed to mess with me they weren't they weren't a lot of talk during the other person's trade it was the only way they could figure out a way to not like take advantage (laughs) of me and i beat both of them like candidly just because it's a bad game yeah (laughs) because i just like i got all the railroads what
1: about the classic games like the old school and six settlers is a newer game but like you know your monopolies your risks i like risk a
0: lot more the problem with risk is and i learned this one there was a period where facebook apps came out for risk yeah um and there was a facebook risk game yeah and it like did all the dice instantly. It was just like, and it realized that, Oh, risk is actually a 20 minute game that takes six hours because dice rolling and piece moving is awful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, but, or that's what makes it so fun.
0: No, I mean the game was fun on Facebook. I eventually burned out cause I was then playing like six games of risk a night.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: which kills the game eventually. Yeah, totally. But like, it, and you realize, oh, like, just Australia is better than everywhere else. <laughs> always. That's
1: always um, my But there's, there's the expanded version, right? Have you seen that? Where yeah, where you can go south. Antarctica? From, yeah, you can go to Antarctica. I there's dislike a few, like, that. Yeah.
0: Great. I have some cool Risk games that people have bought. I have the Star Wars Risk game. Like, Risk has done a really cool... I haven't played any of them. Yeah. But Risk has done a lot of cool things to kind of expand. Um, game. Like, older games are different games. I'm a really big fan of uh, Cosmic Encounters, and you might oh. if you may have heard it. It's a game that Magic was originally one of the few games Magic was based on. Yep. Uh, and basically you're playing as an alien and you, it's kind of like a commander alien you get that has this cool power. And what the magic thing is, is the way spells and stacks and counter spells work. Cosmic encounter has a lot of that in it. Got so you it. get this hand of cards that like there's a counter spell and there's this other thing, but then you're like, you have these little ships and you're battling and it's fun. You have a bunch of planets you're protecting.
1: The stuff you mentioned there with the stack and spells and instance and responses and all that. Yeah. I mean, it's, Truthfully, as a Magic player, it's the thing that makes Magic the best. That is that is the thing that makes the game as You whoa. get the
0: coolest stuff out of it. It is the largest part of the barrier to entry to Magic.
1: Yes, but it is, all like you said, and it's also the hardest part about digitizing it. It's, it's the thing that has held Magic back, and what which, what really what made Hearthstone so palatable was that it didn't have a lot of that stuff.
0: Right, for, like, for instance, none of my games that were... Uh, Emergent Genesis does, but Super Party Battle and um, Housewives for Zombies, neither of them have instant speed spells. Yeah. The, there is... One effect is called a jacuzzi, yeah, uh, and it is a counter spell in uh Housewives for Zombies. But basically, it says if this person does this, you may use this to stop it. Got it. Um, and that's the only kind of instant effect. Everything else is and it's more responsive, it's more of a trap than anything, yeah. Um, instants make it really hard. Instants are we talked about this when we did our magic digital next episode. That instants are probably the hardest part about magic,
1: right? I mean, it's the hardest thing to understand In in classic game design. Like when you pick up a classic game, it's not, it's never like Okay, I'm done with my turn, take your turn. Wait, in the middle of your turn, I'm doing this. It's like that's not how game design used to work. We're used to it because of magic. We feel like it's normal because of but magic. It,
0: it does make magic better, because you know, my problem with many games, and Commander even has this issue magic forces you to pay attention during other people's turns. True. So I, I played a lot of um uh beer pong. Yes. Uh in my life. <laughs> in your day. And I had a very set specific rules when we played, and one of them was you kept all these... There's the bounce-back rule, and there's the behind-the-back rule, and there's all right. these, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. customized. And, and death cup, where if two balls make in the same cup, you lose. Yeah. And the point of that is because when you were out of place and people were playing, if people weren't paying attention to what was going on... Because if, if there was no interaction, then people would just start talking to people when you were taking your turn, which would make it so... The game would just stall out, and it would get boring, and people would stop playing. By forcing people to pay attention during each other person's turn, you get full interaction. It makes the game way better.
1: Yeah, no, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Um, okay, so we've addressed then the collectability aspect and the customization. We've addressed the fact that you have paid close attention to, uh, you know, classic games and things like Settlers and all that. So then, so then, where do you see? your games actually fitting into the marketplace? Like, who do you want to see buying your games? Is it the people that are buying Settlers, or is it Magic players? Is it? Um, I think
0: Super Party Battle is going to, first off, appeal to Magic players. If you play Magic, I'm going to start pitching this game once it comes out, so get ready. Sweet. (laughs) Uh, It's really fun if you play Magic, because you can pick it up really easily. Um, Beyond that, we've worked really hard to simplify it. Like, there is no instant spells, there's no mana, there's no converted mana cost, there's no power and toughness. Um, so it's really just like very simple actions that are playing similar to that style. So it, 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 we did kind of design it to specifically target towards beyond just magic players to college students and uh, that kind of demographic, which is why it takes place on a college campus. Um, Housewives for Zombies is where we're, we want it to be a little bit more of a broader appeal. That's where we – that's our Settlers of Catan um, it's priced to be around. So there's a you get this giant pile of plastic zombies that are like a bunch of risk pieces in the middle of the yeah. table that you get to put on your house and your house kind of stands up. Um, and that has a lot of strategic depth like, and, but the cool thing about it is it's really easy to pick up because Every card does what it says. When you pick your first card pack, you look at, oh, that card says target player gets three zombies. I get that. Yeah. Every card does what it's supposed to do. But it has really good replay value because there are draft strategies where, like, oh, I want to go off the kill zombie plan. I want to go on the reservation plan. I want to go on the item plan. I want to go after the most. There's, like, a card that lets you win if you have the most zombies. So um, those are kind of the different, uh, you know, there's a lot of depth to it. So it's really fun and more of a kind of a strategy game.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I've gotten to mess around a little bit with Housewives versus Zombies, and I the, thematically, that's the one that jumps out at me the most in terms of the one that I, I guess... I don't think I like it the most because I haven't played any of them enough right. to really know, but the, just it looks great. The art looks great. It's like a fun idea. That same thing we were talking about with Giant Growth, the one for three... You have like I was trying to identify and relate it to magic. I was like, oh, this makes sense. I get this for this, and I play this this part of the turn. Uh, so. Rolling
0: pin is kill three zombies. Yes, exactly, yeah. and right. The, the the main one of the housewives on the front of the box is holding it. And it's got nails coming out of it. It's sick. Yeah, it's
1: super <laughs> cool. It's super super cool. Yeah. Um. Okay. Great. So. Um. Okay. So you've now gone through the ringer. You've designed these games, and I know for a fact there's a lot of people that listen to this show and who play magic who think about sometimes. Would they want to design magic cards, a set of magic cards? Would they want to design their own game? Just a game in general. So talk to me a little bit about the actual process. Like start to finish, you come up with an idea. What happens? Where do you start? How does it get made? How do you, the box is sitting on the table over there. Like I can actually look at the game. How does that work? Like how do you get from A to B?
0: So each one kind of came from a different place. I mean, Emergent Genesis obviously wasn't me. It was it was Brian, his Brian David Marshall and his team, um, and they did a really great job. And and we kind of worked together after a meeting through kind of this podcast and, and the Command Zone. And so they, I I can't speak towards that. So we we launched three games. Two of them we for sure are selling, and those are the other two we've discussed. There's a third one that we launched, and each of them kind of came from a different place. Uh, Super Party Battle was something we've been working on since Top decking. It was we came up with the idea as a scripted prop, and where that really came from was at a point. Before that, I was working pretty heavily with TappedOut.net, and we were doing kind of the... I was one of the main judges for the build. They were doing the community builds a set. Um, And going through that whole process and building skeletons for that set and going through, you know, rating every card that was submitted, I realized unless you are getting a job at Wizards, building your own magic set is fun. It's a blast. But for me, who was trying to figure out what I want to do for a living you know, you making my own card game was something that sounded more interesting to me at that point because um, I wasn't going to be able to sell this, which means it was just going to be a hobby, and I already have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> um, so I started, like, kind of Davros was a little bit of a design-your-own set, and it was more me doing uh, a party version of it um, and and kind of going in that direction and then start slowly changing rules. Um, at one point, uh, me and uh, Jules who was on the podcast before, who now works at Wizards, uh, We're working on this cool time travel game, a lot of people. Game. Andrew works at Wizards, yeah. Glenn
1: works at Wizards, Jules works at Wizards. A lot of our friends that played Magic and yeah. were <laughs> super smart went over there to work. Um, and
0: we were working on that together for a little bit while he was still in school. And, and you know, so he was doing a little bit of like intro card design. And, and that was one of the first, like, oh, this could be a trading card game. Um, then Casco happened and I started like, okay, we're developing a line for that year. So we came out with probably six kernels of ideas. Um, and the other one that stuck was Housewives were Zombies, and that was literally a, I technically, it was a, 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 uh, a blog post that someone talked about a cool world where the housewives were, being atta- housewives were being attacked by zombies that were all men being turned into them, and the, they all get really badass and start fighting them off, and I was like, oh, that'd be a cool game idea, and I started kind of figuring out how that would work, and obviously I play Magic, so the drafting mechanic um, was kind of the first idea of how to like, oh, this is how you get new stuff, um, and that's kind of where that came from. So each kind of comes from a different place.
1: So okay, so then you the idea you you bring the kernel and that's where it comes to, but I'm saying the actual process. So somebody maybe even builds their own idea. They're they're using quarters and forks and knives and drawings and they're playing it in their house. So they want to make a game.
0: Like what's the process of going after it? The physical box is here.
1: (laughs) And I want to know like if I have this idea for a game and I don't have the virtue of being in the toy business, the game business.
0: Well, One of the reasons I got in the toy business was because I realized it was around that point that I realized I wanted to make games. So I was like, okay, my family has been in the toy industry for a while. So I had an in. And I was like, okay, this is the way to learn. And it's – I mean like there are many different ways of going about it. The classic one is build a game. Build, build a prototype, start testing it, play against other people, and see if it works. And 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 it's almost better to get people that don't like you, not don't like you, but that aren't, like, not your parents, aren't your good friends. People that are willing to give you constructive criticism. Right. Because, and Magic players are pretty good at that. The nice thing about the Magic community is we're all pretty opinionated. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it, and get crit- criticism, get feedback, make tweaks, make sure to play your game. Um, and get there because because you won't figure out the flaws until you play it. You won't realize there were games that we killed because it was like oh we're on turn 100 and we've moved three spaces. Got it. So you uh, just you had a couple flameouts. Yeah, yeah yeah we had we had I mean we had eight games that we pitched to launch to ourselves. We had like a team a team meeting of the eight games and the ones that we developed uh, that made it were the three two I mentioned the Brian David Marshall game Emerge Genesis and then a fourth game that uh, I can't talk about yet. Yep. Um, and yeah so so the the other option is Kickstarter. And then once you get past that, go to Kickstarter is kind of the easiest way for someone who doesn't have a toy company that they're building around this. and doesn't have the connections to do this because that's a way to get it out there, get people to know it. I mean, then there's a ton of literature. and We don't have to go into like how to write it, run a successful Kickstarter, especially. I don't know if I'm the best person to talk towards that because I've only done it once and it was a top teching season two. Yeah. And we had a following already. It wasn't something out of nowhere. Um, so definitely look at those kind of resources on how the best way of doing that. And that way you can get some money uh, and then you need to find, and there are are some easy superior pod is one. um, And there's another one that we use that kind of do help you do prototyping and can help you actually do production. And that can extrapolate into greater, greater things. And then you need to find distributors and this whole process.
1: Sure. So, okay. um, If you're not going to use Kickstarter and if you're not in the toy business, let's say you make a tabletop game like that with pieces like, What's the actual estimated cost on that for someone? Like, what do you think? Like, what do you... I mean, I'm sure it it's... It totally depends. Okay. Uh,
0: if your game is a flat board, a box, and some, you know, pieces and dice, and you figure out a way to kind of... And maybe some cardboard pieces that you print on, uh, token pieces, not uh, that expensive. Um, you need the art and that's... Uh, cl- the problem with card games is that every card generally has a piece of artwork, and... A piece of artwork can range from anywhere to $40 to $500 to $1,000, yeah. $1, depending on how illustrated you want it to be. And so that's the big expense with card games. Um, unless you can draw. If you're an artist, that's sure. a whole different, different conversation. Then Got go it. for it, which I am not. So I can't attest to that. Um, and then beyond that, there, you know, there, there are resources. Generally, a, a safe rule is whatever your retail is, 25% of that is how much it's going to cost. Uh, or vice versa. Whatever it costs to make it from a manufacturing perspective, it's going to sell for twice as much as that. Or 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 um to three, the times? three times as much as that? So it times it se- it times two times two. Three times. Yeah.
1: Yes. Sure. I think, right? I think so. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So all right, you've mentioned then the games you came up with and you've also you did make reference to licenses. And I think this is interesting because sure. um there's a lot of awesome properties out there. Now, a lot of the best ones have been grabbed up and people have tried. And um,
0: Well, that's, I mean, like, it, it is, do you have an idea? It, it, it takes three steps. One is a relationship, and that's how everything works, and license is part of that. And, and mind you, it the easiest way to get a license is to have $50,000 and... and contact the right person and go to the website and have fifty thousand dollars and have have a unique idea that they don't have already licensed so don't go to cartoon network and be like oh i have this stuffed animal they're like well we already have a licensing deal for stuffed animals but if you're like i have this game that doesn't exist anywhere and it's not similar to any other games or it's a concept that's different than what you're doing then they can look at it and be like okay this would work for us right um and that's kind of it games are a little bit easier because every game is a little bit unique and like obviously you don't want to do a drafting game because cryptozoic has licensed every drafted game under the sun, but there are different ways to kind of do new games. And if you can kind of find a unique concept and a unique stick to license, you can do that. So,
1: um, quickly to ask then let's just pretend there were no successful licensed games out there. Where would you start? Give me like the five properties you'd want to develop a licensed game around. I mean, you I know what your number one is going to be obviously. Star Wars. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, If the question is, of the games I have, how would I license them? Or is the no, question no, no. like, like your... what license is what, ga- what I'd love to develop a game for? Yeah, that's the question. Just... Uh, yeah, Star Wars is the easiest one. I mean, I would I would love to make a Star Wars That'd game. That'd be that one. So really skip straight. past that, because you talk
1: about that all the time. What'd be like uh, two, Harry three...
0: Potter would be really fun. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I think there's a lot of cool different parts of the Harry Potter world um, that would be really fun to do with. Uh, game of Thrones is another one. Um, and... Which I've actually... So <laughs> uh, and a mini for, for a... Uh, a... For Game of Thrones, we always do Game of Thrones uh, season premiere and season finale parties. Yeah, with my girlfriend, um, and we play your fiance. Fiance. Yeah, uh, we do um, a, a version of Werewolf, which is a kind of social party game themed around Game of Thrones that I made a couple of years ago for just for fun. And then the Nerdist picked it up randomly because one of my a few of my friends work at the Nerdist, and yeah. so you can go to the Nerdist right now or to Kest.co. Uh, I think it's Kest.co/slash Winter is coming. Um, and there's it 's free like it 's completely a fan made thing it 's not a like we don 't want to make any money on it, um, but we released it because it 's fun. And you could just download it and cut it out and put it in cards and it 's kind of a blast um so you could do that right now,
1: but um what about any weird ones you said so those are three big ones, but those are three like obviously huge oh, like, ones like
0: really weird like yeah like
1: b s g or like is there something like that where it 'd be like oh that 'd be so cool like I think the theme would be amazing you know i mean i what else do you love? I know you like you look love the expanse right now that 's like pretty yeah, character. I
0: don't know how much I can differentiate The Expanse from... Legion would be sweet, but that's basically just an x game. Westworld, I don't know. I don't want to do Westworld. Westworld's fun. It was fun. It was a good show, but it's not like... It's like love, Fargo's so much show. better than Westworld. Fargo would be a
1: fun one, except, fun. except that it's anthology, so it like...
0: Well, I mean, if you do a Fargo one, it would be very much about... I think it would actually be a pretty good werewolf-like game. More in the sense, like, who's the killer, and then everyone like is like these midwestern like sure. really nice like oh yeah you get like the whole all the characters they don't have, they could be just stereotypes because what all fargo is it's like oh the the nice family cop who lives downtown the the butcher guy who's yeah. like l- losing money like they're all like cool archetypes that'd be sweet. fun fargo would be sweet yeah uh, i haven't
1: watched any of the seasons of that show
0: oh it's so good i heard it's good it I, might be the best show on television i did the season to premiere as, as his interview.
1: Legion, I got to interview the cast on that one. Yeah, everyone. I, I, if
0: you're not watching Legion, you should start. And if you haven't watched Fargo yet, there are, every season's its own like single thing, so you don't need any of the other stuff.
1: Sweet. Everyone's like on fire. Best acting on TV for sure. Cool. Um, Mad Men would be cool. That'd be a good one. I think Mad Men would be a really interesting one. I think you could do a good. You could do a really good Mad Men. Like game. a pitch. You have to pitch advertising campaigns and. Yeah. Everyone gets like
0: scotch. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> sweet. I'd play that game. Um. What else? Like it, it's it's sad because it's now coming out, but like a dragon, like a Dragon Ball Z or like a Power Rangers game would be also really cool. Yeah, like for if sure. you want to talk about like things I loved when I was like seven. I Think um, Power Rangers is gonna be good? I don't know.
1: I like kind of think it's not gonna be.
0: Yeah. Isn't IMDb out for it, or it, it comes out like tomorrow?
1: Tomatoes, yeah.
0: Like tonight we could probably go see a midnight showing of Power Rangers after we after we were done recording. I'm here. gonna
1: meet the whole cast tomorrow.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna. It's got a 45.
1: Yeesh. Uh, the whole cast is doing is doing the schmodown the trivia thing oh cool they're all competing against each other nice so uh, I mean like
0: and you can go listen to my thoughts on Power Rangers
1: yeah because I did a podcast on it oh uh, sure with, it was on um, Marshall. Marshall yeah
0: yeah, yeah. it's um, do you still love it it's on iTunes so right. go check that out because I get very in depth on how I feel about Power Rangers there sweet Um, it might be the most metal thing that ever come out of the 90s <laughs> it's like all guitar riffs, the yeah. entire thing. Yeah, it's and it's dinosaurs fighting ninjas, fighting robots, dinosaur yeah. robots fighting ninjas, fighting monsters. And like, everything, we realize while watching it, it's really high school kids yeah. who are being played by 30-year-olds. Yeah. But it's what high school is when you're a four-year-old imagining what being a high school student yeah, is. yeah like, right they're all dressed like they're four years old yeah they're all like it's really yeah. <laughs> it's so many layers of like how ridiculous this show i think is. it's awesome i think it's, it's like oh yeah don't ever watch it alone because it's not yeah. good but watch it with a group of people with the purpose of just like Realizing how Let's crazy go. this is, experience this. Yeah. That's sweet.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. Excellent. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the the little uh, interview the game designer portion of the show. So we are going to end the show today on something fun, and this is something for that.
0: Go. You know. Go. Go. Follow. Casco. I think you can follow Kesko. You can actually follow Super Party Battle for sure. Uh, I okay. think it's at Super Party Battle. I'll make sure. Th- let me look it up. You you tell what we're going to do next, and I'll get Twitter's out there.
1: Yes. We're, we'll do a, again. again. We'll, if you guys are missing this, we'll do the closeout reminder and remind you on all the things at the end of the episode, too. But um, ISPB
0: SPB University. SPB? S as in Super, P as in Party, B as in Battle University.
1: At SPB University? Yeah. On Twitter?
0: Yeah. Sweet. Go follower. Go follower. has eight followers currently. Sick. Uh, am I one of them? Please tell me I'm one of them. Uh, you are one of them. Sick. My dad is one of them. <laughs> That's it. Of the, the people I know, right. everything else is like gaming Twitter's sweet, so not real people. So um, real people, please follow my games Twitter that I made probably a week ago.
1: So this anchor thing I mentioned, I put this show out there. I had this idea and uh, I introduced it, and then on the episode we just did a second ago. Uh, I had Kessler do like a test version of this. So the gist is basically this, guys. I want to do a show on Anchor where you play a game of magic via this like podcast Twitter app. So it's basically like I record something for like two minutes or less and then somebody listening to it just records their answer into their phone and I play their answer on my channel and we go back and forth. And this can be over the course of a few days. So the game I introduced was really simple, I thought. One-on-one game of magic, 20 life, Right? maximum of 10 turns each, and you ignore all instants. You can't play them. The only zones that exist are the battlefield. You can't have cards in your hand at the end of your turn, so you're not going to use any card draw spells. It's mental magic, so you're making up the card you draw every turn. There's no graveyards. There's no instants. It's just haymakers. It's all just creatures and sorceries. Artifacts, enchantments, whatever you can play on your turn. You draw one card per turn. It's whatever card you want it to be, as long as it's not an unglued card. And finally... uh. You get one mana per turn of any color, and you add just like in Hearthstone. You start with one, start with two, start with three. They're of any color. Lastly, you can't repeat cards. So if I play Black Lotus, Kessler can't play Black Lotus, so on and so forth. And you go back and forth, and all you have to really remember is what's on the battlefield, and combat should be the only part that's even remotely confusing. Now, if there is a creature on the battlefield that has an activated ability, it'll get a little more complicated, but. Kessler and I are going to play a version of this right now, live on the podcast. We're going to try to go. We're going to face off against each other, and no looking at phones. You're going to have to put your database away, Kessler, because you can't look. You can't look cards up. Okay. Uh, you're going to have to just do it straight off of memory. So I tried
0: storming off earlier, didn't work.
1: Yeah, this would be really hard. You'd have to play like all your cards and leave them in the battlefield because you're not. You can't play card draw spells. So you would ha- have to just, like, play Mana Rocks and then, like, can, like... have Retract. Retract, but, like, then you're going to Retract them, and you don't get another card that turn, so then they're all gone because your hand's gone at the end of the turn. So you can't hold cards in your hand.
0: What, 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 what about if I, like, have a... St- is, there, is there, like, a card that lets you put a spell... <laughs> yeah, like, uh, is there an imprint card that looks at, like, the top ten cards of my library and prints a card under it?
1: You can't do it because there's no library. Oh. Yeah, this is hard. It's really, really basic. Well, I don't like it. Super <laughs> simple. You have to just play kind of fair magic with haymakers. I want to storm off, Ben. <laughs> so in the test version on Anchor, I went first. So we're gonna let Kessler go first this time. We're just gonna we're gonna put a cap of like thirty ish seconds per turn at most. So you can't you can't hem and haw too much. it will be like twenty to thirty seconds a turn. Okay. So Kessler gets to go first. You start the game. Sol Ring. You're playing a soul Ring. Yeah.
0: Enjoy your Black Lotus.
1: Okay. Um, sure. I will. Take a black lotus. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: I will cast a invisible stalker.
1: Invisible stalker is on the battlefield. So you have an invisible stalker and a soul ring, and I have a black lotus and a thing. I will play. Uh, well, I guess
0: I had four mana. Yes, but you didn't oh, use I it. You passed wrong. the turn. Oh man. So I'm gonna play. So only have three.
1: Diabolic edict. On you.
0: Okay, my guy's dead. Yeah. Uh, I'm at five mana? Uh,
1: you have uh, yeah, Ring and, and three lands. Karanos. You play Karanos? Oh, I guess that
0: doesn't do anything because we don't have a deck. Yeah. Undo that. Undo that. Uh, okay. I'll play Sigarda.
1: You'll play Segarda. Yeah. Oh, good. You just stole that from my test game from yeah, before. Yeah, I did. But you That's... don't
0: have enough mana to cast Wrath the God and keep your Black Lotus.
1: Um, <laughs> so, now I'm at... Uh, now, what am I? What, so, I'm at my third land now. Yeah. So, I play... Okay. six mana. Yeah. Available, too. Excellent. Great. I'll play Toxic Deluge, paying four life, and uh, Cigar is dead. Okay. Uh, so, I'm at 16.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I am at six mana now. Yeah. Uh, I will play uh, in... I'll play Grave 10.
1: Ah, that's pretty good. Okay. I'll play Wrath of God.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I will play... Um, White Sun's Death,
1: for how much? Uh, four. You have that much mana already? Is this the sixth turn?
0: Yeah, I have six mana. Oh, three, S- three, three. I have three two twos.
1: You have three two twos. Sure. Great. Um. Okay. So now I'm at my fifth land right yeah. now, and I have a black lotus. Yeah. So you have eight mana.
0: What? You have eight mana.
1: Yep. So I'll play. Um. This is so hard because creatures just all die. They all just get killed, except maybe not. Um.
0: So I'm making you wrath every turn.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I have to like get. I have to some somehow I have to wrath and also play something that can't be made to sacrifice, but yeah. also. Um, okay, great. So I'm gonna go ahead and play a. Ugh, no, that seems terrible. Um, my turn's running out of time. I need to do something. What am I on six right now? So I have nine total.
0: No, you're not. Six, turn six. This
1: is my sixth turn. You have,
0: four, you have three land. Four land.
1: No, you're dead wrong. How did you play a, this the thing, the white I thing? I got, th-
0: I had six mana on my turn, so I have four lands in play. So you have a fourth land in play now, because I have a soul ring and four lands.
1: How did I wrath you last turn without using a thing? My oh, f- you're
0: you're at fifth, five lands. Five you lands. Eight, you have eight mana. So I have eight mana. Oh, so I have four 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 two twos.
1: <sighs> so I have to somehow just steal your two twos. Yeah, I have four two twos. Uh, um. <sighs> All right, I'll play Ugin. Um, okay. And I'll sack my black Lotus for it. And okay. Ugin's abilities. Does he plus for lightning bolt or minus? What does he do?
0: He pluses the lightning bolt.
1: He pluses the lightning bolt. Yeah. Okay. I'll, um, plus damage to you. You're at 17. Okay. I'm at 16. Okay. You have four two twos. Yeah. And so what's Ugin at right now?
0: Uh, I have no idea. Eight. Yep. He comes out at seven. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I carn and eat Ugin and I swing for uh eight. That was a terrible move on my so part. So you're at eight.
1: Okay. And I get my <laughs> sixth land. Uh, Card and um, four
0: tokens. What are you going to do about
1: this? I get, um, I play uh, pl- planar, planar destroy Destroy all permanents. Non land permanents for six, right? The yeah. white one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Planar cleansing?
0: Seven. But yeah. It costs seven? Yeah. Oh, you don't have it.
1: <laughs> no, no, I played Ugin.
0: Yeah, because well, we have the soul ring. So you're at eight. Now you're at six. Six. It costs seven. Planar Cleansing cost yeah. seven? I
1: don't think you're right.
0: I will I will bet that hummus on the table. You're not know, allowed to look up cards. <laughs> I need to look up the cost of it. I think it's,
1: I think, uh, uh, shut up, Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> I think it co- I think it blows things up. Um, it's called Planar Cleansing, mm-hmm. and it costs seven, huh? Planar Cleansing costs six. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Great. You the, you,
0: the hummus is now yours.
1: Yeah. Planar <laughs> Cleansing. So I kill everything. So yeah, you, yeah. you'd eaten it and you would attack me for eight.
0: And then my, my soul ring is gone too. Yeah. yeah you've, you're you're at uh, eight currently.
1: Because I had already... I was at 16. Yeah. So yeah. I'm at eight and you're at 17. Yep. Ugh, that was a stupid play. What was I thinking?
0: Uh, so I'm at seven mana? Yeah. Because you had six. Yeah. I'm at seven mana? Yeah. Uh, I will... Um, I'm at seven mana? Yeah. I'll just... Uh, I'll um, fireball you for six.
1: So I go to two? Yeah. Um, Okay, great. So then I'm going to play a card. I'm at seven mana right Mm -hmm. now. I have to play something that costs seven or six that keeps me alive because you can just kill me on your turn. So I have to have a way to not die. But I don't have any creatures, so worship's not going to keep me alive. I play near-death experience. Um, (laughs) I could... Ooh, this is going to be tough. I guess for seven mana, I could probably gain a bunch of life. Maybe that'd be smart. That seems like a horrible plan. Um, What's the best life gain spell? Oh, that seems pretty good, actually. For seven? All right, I'll play Platinum Angel.
0: Uh, I cast... Guess... How does Miracle Cost work here?
1: Uh, You can draw it and play it for its Miracle Cost. I cast damn or I cast
0: uh Bonfire. Uh, Bonfire of the damned. I'm dead. Yeah. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha Victory. I don't know how easy it is to lose if you go first.
1: You think you can pretty much just win hundred percent?
0: I think it's really hard for you to answer my threat. I can come up with the best threat possible.
1: Well, I think probably if I think about this more carefully, I would have had way better plays. I think I made some horrible plays. Playing sure. Ugin, playing Platinum Angel, I could have definitely played something a lot better than Platinum I Angel. Mean, when Angels.
0: you played Ugin, you should have just minus. If you minus for
1: zero, or minus for two. It kills it, everything. It killed everything. And then you would have carned it still. Sure, but then you don't have 8 two, two tokens in play. It's true, yeah. Anyway, that was the first uh, on-air version of the game, guys, so I think it worked. Like, it didn't feel like it was crazy to me.
0: We had a misstep, but we didn't know the loyalty of Ugin, and we planned our chaos. Well, I think the idea is that over-anchor,
1: if you call in... So I encourage you to download the app and call in, because once a week, I'm going to challenge someone. I'm going to have a running game for the course of the week. If you call in, each time you introduce a card, you're going to read the card carefully out loud. You're going to explain exactly what it does, and then you're going to dictate what you're doing that turn. So the stakes would be very clear. Um, This is just something that's going to be running all week, each week, as somebody challenges me on a Thursday. It should be a lot of fun. So... Thanks for listening, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I was curious. This is like definitely the kind of conversation that we can have, but it's a little one-sided to have it when we're not recording it. So I'm glad we got to do it because yep. um, I had a lot of questions and was very curious about how you go about game design.
0: Sure. And if anyone, if you know the games are coming out, people are more interested, please at me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Cass Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. We are at the MM Cast. But you know, I, these games will all be available uh, if everything doesn't go terribly in September um for sure uh at a few different retailers that we'll announce when we get closer um and then uh yeah it's really exciting
1: and if you're going to be in san antonio next week oh yeah we are so excited it's going to be unbelievable Uh, i'm going to be on a team we have uh we have two listeners that are on my team so steven st Clair and ryan sconnard are, are my are my teammates for this particular endeavor. It's gonna be so much fun. Welcome M-M-Cast. to the team. Ryan, welcome to the team, Steven. We're gonna we have to figure out exactly what we're gonna do. We called Steven on the podcast last week and talked to him about all of the things. And uh, we're you know super, super excited. So it's gonna be awesome. Uh, I can't reveal to you guys what we're gonna be playing, but Kessler and I right now are gonna go and test some games of modern so we can make sure my silly idea that I wanna play is at least reasonable. I'll bet you can guess one of the cards involved. Um, anyway, guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope that was informative to all of you. Tweet in. If you hated us completely deviating from the modern format, <laughs> if you just like, were like, come on, guys. If like that was not even remotely close to magic or modern, please let us know, but uh, please also buy the games because they're going to be sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're support fun. the people you love because this is uh, a huge ev- podcaster's life.
0: Everyone that's tried them out has really liked them. And yeah. most of them don't like me, so it's not like I'm just like... yeah. Actually, in fact... My mom doesn't like them, so... Really? That must be a sign. I don't know. I should never played them. (laughs) She's a nice lady. She'll probably say she likes them. Hi, Mom. I don't know if she's not listening. She doesn't listen to this because it's a magic podcast. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week.
1: Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. See you later, Alligator.